Looking good, looking good. Like you know we should. Looking good today. You're listening to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast. We're the Welcome to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast, episode number four, Scott Morrison along with the coach. But today we're not going to talk about the coach, we're going to talk about the general manager. The trade deadline has just passed, lots of analysis on that. But we're going to look back and analyze some of the bigger deals, because you had some huge deals when you were a manager back in the day. I really did, and uh, the first trade I ever made was uh, a huge trade for the Chicago Blackhawks. I traded Dennis Savard for Chris Chelios, and that was uh, uh, a very uh, impactful trade nonetheless. Uh, what was the motivation for that one? Well, the motivation came as a result that we really needed to anchor our defense with a superstar defenseman, and we had a replacement for Dennis with Jeremy Roenick at center, young, up, uh, upcoming young junior star, and of course uh, he went on to be a renowned superstar in the NHL and a, and a big goal scorer. So I felt that we could replace Dennis. We needed a super defenseman. And Chris Chelios, uh, interesting, uh, when I went to uh, Mr. Wirtz, I was actually in Quebec Bill City. Bill Wirtz, the owner. Yep. But the entire staff was there. And then we went to Vancouver. I had the entire staff, the owners, the coaches, my assistant coaches at the time, all the scouts, and we had a roundtable meeting about this strategy, replacing Dennis Savard with Jeremy Roenick and then trading for a superstar defenseman. So Bill Wirtz said, okay, I'll agree to this trade if you can get one of three defensemen, Chris Chelios, Raymond Bark, or Paul Coffey. I said, okay, that's fair enough. Because Savard was wildly popular. He was the most popular player in the Chicago Blackhawks probably since Bobby Hall and Stan Makita. So I said, okay, fair enough. If I can get one of those, I can make the trade. He said, yes, you can make the trade. So I do my due diligence, uh, find out obviously that Raymond's not available, Paul's not available, but there might be a possibility uh, of selling this to Serge Savard and the Montreal Canadiens because of the Meech Accord. The Meech Accord was uh, uh, really the impetus in, in terms of uh, Quebec not having enough French-Canadian athletes. They missed the chance to get Dennis. They took Wickenheiser instead. And now they have a chance to get Dennis Savard, uh, French-Canadian, very popular in Montreal. So I pitched this to, to Serge. I said, Serge, you have to make this trade. And we went back and forth. I flew down to Montreal, tried a multiple trading deal scenario. I went down, knocked on his door every day for five consecutive days in Montreal. I stayed at a hotel and badgered him. And then finally, we couldn't come to any trading conclusions at that point. He says, I'm going on vacation. Let me think about it. And, and uh, maybe we can make a trade later. Well, needless to say, I had his phone number. and. I ended up calling him every morning at 8 a.m. and said, Mike, how can I enjoy my vacation? You're bothering me every morning. I said, Serge, you have to make this trade. So finally, after time, he gets back to Montreal, gets back to his office. I'm calling him every day again. And so he, he, he goes and says, okay. He called me one Saturday morning. He said, we'll make the deal. I said, okay, Dennis Savard 
and uh, Will uh, for Chris Chelios, and and the deal's done. He said, "Yes." I said, "Okay, I'll call my owner, Mr. Wirtz, Bill Wirtz, and confirm it with him that we have this deal, and then I'll call you right back." So I called Mr. Wirtz, and Mr. Wirtz says, "Well, uh, he got cold feet." He said. Okay, we can make the trade, but you have to get the first round draft pick with him. A first round draft pick, I said. I said, my credibility with Serge Javar just got out the window. I've been working for weeks with this man to try to make this trade. I make the trade, and now you're telling me we have the first round draft pick. I called Serge back and said, Serge, I'm terribly embarrassed, but I have to have a first round draft pick. And he, of course, he starts swearing at me in, in French. And uh, I said, how about. Give me the second and we'll make a private deal. Back then you could do that as managers. And I said, I will give you that second round pick back in a couple of weeks and we'll make some kind of bogus trade again and you'll get your pick back. He said, okay. I called Mr. Wirtz. I said, we got no first, but I got the second and Chris for Dennis. Okay, we'll make the trade. So we make the trade and of course, later that fall, I get fired and Serge gets fired. Montreal never got their second round back, pick back. So that was my very first trade as a general manager in the NHL. And it was uh, very unpopular. Uh, the fans were booing me in that fall uh, until, of course, they saw how good Chris was. And then uh, uh, the team was doing exceptionally well and that made a whole difference. But it took a while for them to understand how good Chris was. And... Uh, Chris, when Chris arrived, the whole culture of the team changed dramatically. I mean, he was such a competitor and a winner and such a good player. Was he a fitness nut then? Uh, he was really fit. He could play all the minutes you wanted to play. And and uh, um, he just had the, the genes and the genetic endowment from his family. But he also trained very hard. And in, when he worked at practice, he was unbelievable. He would work until his lips were blue in practice, so he was a well-conditioned athlete. Um, what was Savard's reaction? It must have been mixed emotions. Well, he loves Chicago, but he's going to Montreal. Well, what, I think he was disappointed because he didn't want to be traded, for sure. And, and those are tough phone calls to make. I have to call Dennis and say, Dennis, uh, I've just traded you. And he thought he'd never be traded from Chicago, ever. And uh, for Chris Chellis, but I said, you're going to Montreal. And it should be a good fit for you because they love you in Montreal. But that wasn't a very easy phone call to make. Yeah. And he ultimately got his Stanley Cup with the Canadians in 93. Didn't play a lot, but he was there for it. Anyway, yeah, Jacques Demers uh, embraced him. And, and he didn't play an awful lot, but he did get a Stanley Cup in Montreal. And why was Chelios available? Uh, probably uh, he had some miscues in, in Montreal. He was a young player, and, and uh, uh, he and uh, Suter got a little bit of trouble off ice uh, up in Wisconsin. So I think Serge also just the, the, the Mitchell Court had a big impact on it. The, 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 the people in, in Quebec, in the province of Quebec, wanted more French-Canadian athletes. And high-profile team was obviously the Montreal Canadiens, so that fit well for them. And probably the combination of, of uh, the need to do that for Serge and, and uh, to appease the people in the province of Quebec at the same time, uh, he was getting Dennis Savard that they passed on. 
and uh, just the timing of it worked well for us and and was working well for them. So you did a lot of dealing and we're not shy about dealing big names, Dennis Savard being one. You're in St. Louis. Tell us about the deals that went yeah, down that there, Brendan Shanahan being a big Yeah, one. that was an incredible deal too and a very unpopular deal like the Dennis Savard deal for, for Chris Chelios and and uh, Mike Shanahan was the chairman of the board who hired me with Jack Quinn and when when I got there after a year, they fired uh, Mike Shanahan. There was a board that owned the team of about 20 people. And they said, uh, uh, we've got to uh, reduce the budget significantly. So they basically put an accountant, I can't even remember his name, in charge of the group. And he came to me and said, you have to get rid of Brendan Shanahan, Brett Hall, and Al McGinnis. I said, why? Good luck with that. <laughs> I said, uh, because we have to reduce the budget, we can't afford this. I said, are you kidding me? I said, there's going to be a fallout that's going to be unbelievable. And they said to me, I said, I said I, I, I've already gone through this once in Chicago with trading Dennis Savard, which worked out really well because we got a great defenseman, anchored the team for years, and was a superstar defenseman in the league. But I said, well, the easiest guy to trade right now will be Brendan Shanahan because he's the youngest of the three. I said, there's going to be a mess here, though. They said, we don't care. We live here. You will not live here eventually. And so you'll take the fall. So they given your brothers, you wouldn't have traded them. At you the time, I, I just told them there's going to be an awful fallout. I said, okay, uh, I respect you as owners and I have to do what I'm told, but uh, there's going to be a fallout. So I said, okay, I'll trade Brendan. So again, timely, I called Brian Burke in Hartford. Uh, I got a lot of information about this young player called Chris Pronger. Now, Chris Pronger, again, had some off-ice situations that uh, uh, Brian Burke wanted to release him, and he was readily uh, available and he wanted Brendan Shannon immediately. It was that was as soon as I made the phone call. Brian said, "Of course I'll take Brendan Shannon. He was a superstar, at 27 years old, and this young guy, Pronger, is 20 or 21 and uh, wasn't fitting the bill right now." So I get Chris. Of course, the fans in St. Louis go crazy, and uh, I still remember walking down to announce the trade in. At the time, it was called the Kiel Center. And the, the uh, accountant uh, representing the owners walking with me. We got the doors. He stopped. And I looked at him. He says, you go on your own. I'm not going out <laughs> So I go out, announce the trade for the media in St. Louis. Of course, very unpopular. But again, after time, when they saw how good Chris was, and Chris goes on to win the Hart Trophy in the NHL, uh, you know, thank goodness for Chris Chelios and Chris Pronger both being superstars to save uh, my reputation in that regard. But again, it was a tough trade. But Chris, I played it with Al McGinnis. And after that trade, they come and say, well, we better not trade Brett or Al right now because it was very unpopular, as you said. I said, well, we got a great young player seven years younger, but uh, there's going to be an impact here in your standings. And uh, we ended up, and I'm going to segue right into one other trade uh, that was unbelievable, 
and it took me months to do it, was the acquisition of Wayne Gretzky to fill the building. And not only that, I wanted Wayne. So I called Sam McMaster every single day for about three months and badgered him to make the trade. Was the LA manager? Yes. And I said, you know, you, you have to trade Wayne. So I talked to uh, Wayne's agents on the side. Uh, they were all set. And then finally, probably Wayne had to give the approval. But Sam uh, relinquished uh, and, and finally made the trade with me. I think we give him a, a fellow named Tardif, Patrice Tardif, and uh, uh, Roman Volpat, two young guys. And they didn't play much. Uh, the, I could research a little bit right now, but I, uh, Wayne comes to us, of course, the building's full and everybody forgets about the Brennan Shanahan trade. So uh, <laughs> that worked well. But uh, again, uh, trades are very difficult to make. But yes, I did make some huge trades in ter terms of superstars. Should mention too that Pronger played in a variety of locales, but St. Louis announcing a few weeks ago that they're going to retire his number 44 so they yeah. fell in love with him well for sure and he anchored that team and and did well and of course he goes on to win the Stanley Cup in Anaheim but Chris is a super player so one other trade very prominent player not as prominent at the time but became a superstar a hall of famer Dominic Hoshik when you were in Chicago yeah and he goes on to win the Hart Trophy as well and and that a lot was, of trophies yeah <laughs> um I had to trade Dominic because of his expansion in 1992. You only could protect one goalie. We had Eddie Balfour and Dominic Hasek. So again, we had a round table with all the group and everybody. And you had involved. a Stanley Cup final team that and year. And we had a Stanley Cup final team and Dominic played in the final game with Eddie and uh, all world at the other end. Tom Barrasso at the other three Hall of Fame goalies. Yes. Uh, but we had to make that decision. So we decided to keep Eddie and everyone thought, you know, what are you crazy? You should play a trade eighty for a, a big goal scorer and then keep Dominic. But at the time, Dominic had, hadn't established himself yet in the league, and we decided to make the move. Here's how it goes: so I make the trade for a fourth round and a fellow named Beauregard as a goaltender backup, Stefan Beauregard, and uh, with John Muckler in, in Buffalo. So John. Again, tries to make room. He's not sure about this guy. And so what happens is, after time, shortly thereafter, uh, he's in training camp. John puts him on waivers. Dominic Hasek's on waivers. So I pick him up. I claim him. And the NHL calls and said, you can't take him. You're the one that traded him. They're the only guy that can't take him. Anybody else could take him. As it turns out, he went through waivers. Dominic Hasek went through the entire league. Nobody picked him up. And the rest, of course, is history. He wins the Hart Trophy. He wins the Vezina. He goes on. eventually wins the Stanley Cup after in his later in his career. But again, uh, people criticized me uh, severely for trading Dominic Hasek. Uh, but at the time, I tried to reclaim him, and it was... Uh, Bought by the by the NHL, so I got a lot of interesting stories as a manager. Really, I mean, uh, we got lots of time ahead. We, so. we, yeah, we can talk about it later. But uh, 
some other trades I made and the, the fax got stuck in New York and the trade was nullified because it didn't go through before the trading deadline, although it was in the machine and all kinds of crazy stories. Um, we but, talked uh, about it. Kelly Kissio was the guy. He was actually in Chicago to play against us of San Jose, make the trade. Kelly come down, had his Chicago Blackhawk gear in the dressing room and I'd go back down and tell him, Kelly, you got to go back to the other end of the rink in the, in the old stadium because the NHL won't accept the trade because the facts didn't go through in time. So, you know, technology at the time was crazy. Oh, my, crazy. I was going to say, we talked about it a few episodes ago about coaches getting fired, you know, managers getting fired, that we have a sometimes as fans and media can have a cavalier attitude about it, just like fire the bum, who cares, right? Right. And we have that attitude sometimes when it comes to trades. Just trade them. Get them out of here. Get. But how hard? Like, this is people's lives here. You're disrupting really a family uh, yeah, in some when situations. I had to make that phone call to uh, Brendan Shanahan as well. I mean, that was a tough call. He was extremely popular, very good player in St. Louis. And, and uh, you know, I, I can't tell him that the owner ordered me to trade you. And at the time... We were getting a really good young player. I did a lot of research about Chris Pronger, but still, he's still a young player, very young player, and you don't know if he's going to reach the status of a superstar forward. Uh, you speculate that he's going to, but uh, and eventually he did. But at the time, again, those are hard things to do, and you you you. You don't make a trade for the for the sake of trading. You make a trade to to improve your team, and if you can achieve that goal, uh, doesn't always work out. But uh, I've had uh, some interesting trades as a manager, and we could talk about more of them later. But uh, certainly, a lot of history of of incredible trades that uh, and uh, a lot of. Uh, complications from time to time when I was uh, booted out of uh, New York and then went to St. Louis. Well, I had to make a trade with the Rangers, and that was ordered by Mr. Bettman. So there's a lot of things that go on. Well, that was the compensation? or Yeah, Asatika then came over, and then uh, we had to do so. Nedved was gone, and it was all crazy. But uh, a lot of interesting things happened behind the scenes that nobody really knows about and and sometimes there's a lot of orders given by owners who are never going well, to tell anybody. How involved do owners get? Well, some owners get really involved. The Wirtz family is, and Mr. Wirtz, I don't know about Rocky Wirtz, but Mr. Wirtz was involved in a day-to-day -day basis. So you had to pass everything by him? Everything went by him. I, well, I was respectful enough. I didn't take the autonomy of, of just making a trade. I would always check with him first as the owner. He was my first owner. I, I was not the manager of Clark. He was a manager in Philly. So this is my first uh, manager's position. So I always check with him out of respect uh, that he was the owner. And, and uh, I wanted to make sure that we were doing the right thing in terms of the franchise and also from the business point of view. You mentioned the Rangers trade deadline just passed. But that 94 Stanley Cup winning team, New York Rangers, five deals at the trade deadline. Like a quarter of your roster got overturned. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was an incredible experience Nobody well. does that. No, and, and people said... Uh, and and, uh, and you was, were a first-place team. We were in first place, and they said, uh, this coach is, is cuckoo, he's crazy, because uh, you're in first place, you're going to win the President's Trophy, 
And I went to Neil and said, Neil. Neil Smith, the GM. GM. I said, Neil, we can't win the Stanley Cup with this team. It's too small. I said, we're going to play this this Jersey team. They're a big, rugged team. And it said, so it took a lot of convincing on my behalf to push him to make those trades. And, and to his credit, he did. He didn't want to give a Monty up for Matola Noonan. A Monty I loved as well. I scouted him as the manager in Chicago, Boston University player. But I said, we need big wingers. And I know these two guys. I had them for many years in Chicago. They know what's required. They know the demands of the coach. Uh, Craig McTavish, I said, you know, uh, we're going to get a young player for him, but we need his experience. He'll fit in. He knows the, 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 the players in the room from Edmonton. So it was seamless in terms of acquiring support. But there's a whole line. The whole line was very valuable to us in the playoffs. We don't win the Stanley Cup without doing that. So, as you said, there was a lot of trades. Anderson, uh, he fit well with Mess, and Messier, and, and had the experience again. They give up Gartner in that deal. Yes, and uh, again, uh, Michael was uh, Gartner was a great player, but uh, we were banking on winning the Stanley Cup. And these guys would bring that experience to the dress room. And there's always that fear that late, that late in the year, you're going to upset the whole chemistry of the team. Well, that team, they knew these players that were coming in, or I knew them. We had Larmer from Chicago already. And then the two, Mato and Noonan, come in from Chicago. But they had the experience. They had been to the finals. They knew the ingredients. They knew what the requirements were. They knew what the coach would and ask them to had do. Won cups. And Mac T was experienced coming out of uh, Edmonton. And, and Andy was certainly experienced. I think he won end up winning six cups. So they, we knew they would galvanize together. It was like it didn't even happen. It just They came in the room and everything was fine. The public, though, were saying, well, how's this going to happen? And I still remember Kevin Lowell saying, he comes into me the next day shaking his head. He said, well, I got to give you credit. High risk, high reward. <laughs> and it ended up being a good reward. But he was... Right down uh, to the final seconds yeah, of Game he, 7. Yeah, he was a really bright guy. and But he, 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 he appreciated what we were doing because they had, had the experience of winning in Edmonton. They knew it's, it's, it's an arduous task to win the Stanley Cup. And who took that final face-off in your own zone in Game 7? Craig McTavish. There you go. Lots of great stories. More great stories to come in the weeks ahead. <laughs>